Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, fellow gamers, and welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. We are three lifelong gamer dads, and on Thursdays like today, we break down recent gaming news over the last week that we found the most interesting. We know that a lot of you out there enjoy the show, so if you don't mind taking a second, please make sure to toss us a follow, rate our show five stars on Apple and Spotify, and leave a written review if your podcast app allows. You can also sign up on Patreon to help fund our show while getting bonus episodes twice a month. If you want to check that out, you can head on over to MultiplayerSquad.com. I am your host, Paul, and joining me, he's been spending his time talking to sensual bots and also to robot corpses out on the battlefield. It's Josh. (laughs) I knew that was going to be me right away. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm keeping it safe for work, but yeah. I'm not debating that either. I, I, not guilty as charged. Yeah. What's the, I plead the fifth, right? Yeah. There you go. And joining me and Josh, he's been holding his breath for one of the most anticipated mods of all time, but he's still going to have to keep holding it for a little while longer. It's Michael. I've been holding my breath for six years. It is a world (laughs) record. Guinness, this is on record. Um, And I apparently have to hold my breath for two more years. So eight years of breath holding. It's crazy. Like, man, my lung capacity. Uh, uh, For the worst looking game ever. Oh, got you. Oh, we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Don't make Michael cry this early in the episode, Josh. (laughs) You got to at least give him a few minutes. Nonsense. (laughs) All right. We've got a lot to cover here today on the show, but I think the big news of the week is that Forspoken has now been out in the world for the last two days. We are recording this prior to the release. We don't know how the release has gone. Um, You know, I feel like leading up to the release, we did not exactly get a whole lot of confidence from news outlets that things are going well for this release with Forspoken. A lot of major outlets were not even given advanced copies of the game. Those that did cannot even release their reviews until one day prior to release. And also probably very relevant to us because we're all PC gamers. The PC requirements just to get 30 frames per second on 1440p seems pretty wildly high. We already have plans to deep dive it, so we're going to be picking up Forspoken and playing it, but I want to ask you guys, since we still don't know how things are going, what's your best guess? How do you think Forspoken is doing, and do you think the game is Forbroken on release? Oh, I see what you did there, Paul. That's some wordplay. (laughs) I 
I am going to say I think this game is a solid 5 out of 10. Ooh, that's pretty low. Oh wow. It's okay. pretty low. I we you know, we can we 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 addressed a lot of this on the Squadcast, which is the bonus episodes we do twice a month for people that support the show over at multiplayersquad.com. So if you want extra content, it's super cheap for what you get. Um but we go further in depth into some of the issues and red flags for Forspoken, but you know, we've got to bring up a little bit of this game has a lot of concerns leading up to the launch of the game. And so we thought it'd be fun that, hey, this episode, which we're recording beforehand, releases on that day. What do you think this game's going to be? We were super hyped for Callisto Protocol, and then the world came crashing down on us on release day, no less. Yeah, like We're yeah. literally <laughs> playing the game for the first 30 minutes and then went, oh, no. Yeah, I don't do think Forspoken is going to be that, hopefully. Um but I do think that there's enough red flags that are tempering my expectations for the game. So I think that I'm going to enjoy the combat a lot. I think that's probably going to be the the draw. And I think the story and the, the acting and that kind of stuff is going to be a put off for me a little bit. And I think that's why it's going to be solid just five out of ten. I played uh, the demo and so did Paul. And the game ran fine. Now, granted, mm-hmm. it's a demo, and it was just a small piece of the game. It did. You could go pretty far, though, in the open world. You could really go almost anywhere you wanted to go. I don't know if they rented the entire world for the demo or not. I doubt it. But the whole thing is, uh, I will be playing it on the PlayStation because notably, it looks like it's going to be an absolute colossal train wreck on PC. Like I'm, I'm calling it just like Josh. I don't think it's going to run well. I think it's going to have a lot of problems. I do kind of have rose tinted glasses though for the performance on the PC on, the, on, sorry, on the PlayStation. Or, you know, if you get it on the Xbox, but that's just because I played the demo and it ran fine. The combat though is what I'm really intrigued about. The combat and the parkour are very, very different than something I've used before. Even the fact that you really have to actively use the bumpers to switch between like what I would call quote stances yeah. a lot, a lot during your combat. If you want to get good, like it's going to be one of those games where a lot of players fall in that mid range where they're pretty good at it. They'll play on normal difficulty. But if you want to go into the harder range, that's when you have that separation of like the really skilled players are going to have a lot of fun in a harder, harder range and have a lot more range on it or a variety in there, what they're doing with their attacks. Um, but as an open world game, it does look like it will fall flat a little bit. Side quests are notoriously boring, mundane, and repetitive is what people are saying. You can go into dungeons and kill extra bosses for extra XP. I think that as an open world game, I might take Paul's uh, complaint that he talked about on a Twig episode a couple weeks ago, where it's like, why is this game open world if it doesn't have to be? It seems very empty. Like The demo seemed kind of empty when you were parkouring around. There wasn't extra people or any reason to interact, you know? And so, I don't know. I think it's going to be a decent game. I think if I think it will be a great game if the combat truly like does stand out so differently um, to Josh's point, where it's like this combat's really cool. It's a hard game, maybe not quite like Souls like, because I I think having that many different abilities would be very difficult in a Souls like game and kind of not purposeful. Um, I think that was what makes it a nine or a ten. I don't think it will be a nine or a ten. I'm going for a seven. Yeah, I feel like this game's kind of destined for a seven. The only thing that I think would rock the boat is if it's so bad technically on the PC port. Because, same as you, Michael, my demo ran flawlessly on the PS5. I did not have a single issue with it. Now, if if people out there have budget PCs, and if this game is terribly optimized, then maybe lower-level PCs won't be able to run it. And I feel 
terrible for those people if that's the case. We all have pretty beefy PCs. I have a feeling we'll be able to run it okay, but I'm still going to wait until the day of release and get the temperature from the public. And then if it's running okay on like 2080s like I have for my GPU, I'll pick it up on PC. If it's a complete nightmare, I'll pick it up for the PlayStation and I'll just have to fight my kids for it because they love using the PS5. And at that point, I'll just have to, you know, duke it out with them. But yeah, this game feels to me like it's destined to be like a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10. I think the consensus will be interesting combat, really bad story, and I think the open world mechanics will be very so-so. That's kind of what I think. What about the fact that... Well, I was going to say, what about the fact that it's a $70 game? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) I here's Here's the issue that I'm having with that, right? Is like... If you're charging $70 for a game, I expect at that point that you're giving me a top-of-the-line product. If I go to a steakhouse and I spend $50 on a steak, mm-hmm. right? That steak had better be freaking delicious. It's got to stand out. Yeah. Like, better honestly, than an Applebee's you know what I mean? steak. Like, yeah, exactly. If I go to Applebee's and order a steak, number one, that's my fault. Yes. You know, but I expect what I'm going to get at that point. You know, and I'm not going to complain when that steak's not that great. It's an Applebee's steak, right? But, but so that's my thinking with these like price hikes on these games is you want to charge me $70 for Forspoken? Fine. But that game better be good. It, because if it's not, I'm going to complain publicly because we have a podcast about it. <laughs> you know, and, but I, like, honestly, that's kind of the thinking there. And I get that the development cost is probably the same for them as it was for something else. Like, I understand it, but there's that natural thought that if you're charging me a higher dollar amount for something, I expect a premium for that. I disagree. Um, here's why. I think it's just inflation. It happens. All games oh, are waiting. going to go up in about I was four years. For Michael to defend Applebee's steaks. <laughs> no, I could not do that. I could not. I would. They're I would worth never. every penny. Yeah. I would like, never. I disagree. They're Applebee's so is a great steak. <laughs> no, here's my thing, and I've got some data behind this too because I looked at it. I'm like, wait a minute. It was we were bound to do this in five or six years. They're going to be eighty. In a decade, they'll be a hundred dollars for a video game, which is actually what Nintendo games cost if you account for inflation in 1985 when the when the NES was at its cap. You paid forty dollars for a Nintendo game. That's a hundred dollars in today's dollars. The console itself launched at one seventy nine, which is the same price five hundred dollars is what you pay now with inflation five to six hundred dollars. It's just natural this is going to happen. In fact, the fact that it hasn't already happened and we've been paying sixty dollars for what a decade probably for games that are AAA titles. I am shocked this didn't happen earlier. I was expecting it. I have no problem with it because these companies, they put so much money into it and their cost is going up. All of them, they have to, they have to charge a fair market value and fair market market value now is $70. We're not going up to a hundred, which is what the Nintendo games cost if you account for inflation. So I was expecting it. I'm fine with it. I, I do. I do wish that the first $70 game was not this game because I think it's going to not be great. And so to Josh's point, I, I wish the first one was something like Starfield. Unfortunately, that game cannot stop being delayed. So never mind. It's not going to be Starfield. So <laughs> let me let me ask you a question, though, that ties into that. Yeah. What happens when a game doesn't sell up to its expectations? What do they do with that game 30 days later? Oh, they drop the price. So <laughs> it's, mitigate, it's to what's, mitigate losses. It's well, just but, to mitigate but the losses. Do you see what I'm saying? So as yeah. gamers, what's to say we're going to just wait 30 days before we buy it? Because it'll be 30% off. 
Yep, and you that's know? what you look at day one for. Like, you look at it and you say, like me, for instance, I still kind of want to play Callisto Protocol, even though everyone's like, it was okay. I kind of want to experience it. When it's 20 bucks, I'll probably pick it up and check it out, but that's I'm not doing it anytime soon. And I think that's what's going to happen on day one with this game. Like, today releases, I think, go, see what people are saying. If they're saying, hey, you know what? It's actually a lot of fun. The combat's great. Pick it up. If they're saying... Don't go get it. Wait until what Josh said. Wait a month from now until it's 30% off. There's a Steam sale and then pick it up because that the developer is going to have to mitigate their losses. They have to make money on the game anyway they can. So if they go and they say, well, if we drop it to 50 or 40, we can at least make some of this money back. Go buy it then. Yeah, people who are a little bit older, like us, might remember, like on Super Nintendo, some titles did sell for $70, $80, $90 back then. So the fact that we've been stuck on $60 for such a long time, it's probably overdue for the price hike. But for this to be one of the first AAA titles going for $70, oof, not a whole lot of confidence in any of us for the quality. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our second story here. Uh, This one is all Michael's. I think Josh and I are pretty much just going to box out the defenders and and let Michael do his thing with this one. Every now and then. (laughs) We got to give Michael (laughs) his moment. If it's it's Elder Scrolls or Misrelated, we have to just throw it to Michael. So uh, the much anticipated Skyblivian game, which is basically Oblivion remade as a mod inside Skyrim, they actually started making it in 2012, and we had news this week that it's going to be ready for release by 2025 at the latest. Oh, man. Go ahead, Michael. Take it away. (laughs) So I've been following this. I've been following... Take it away. First of all, you know, obviously it's a mod, right? You buy Skyrim, you don't buy Oblivion. Yeah. You pick up Skyrim, which you can get for what seven dollars now. I oh, mean, seventy cents, maybe, maybe less. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you pick up Skyrim and you can play the entire Oblivion, all of it, like down to every quest, voice actor, everything in the better engine. The thing about this in 2017, I would there was nobody more amped about two things. One was Skyblivion, the other was Skyrim Together, which is also a mod from a modding group. You do buy this one for $20, I think, but it allows you to play multiplayer Skyrim. And I think you can have up to 10 people all progressing in their own games playing Skyrim together. Now, that one came out very well, this and that. Skyblivion is taking so much longer because they're remaking an entire game, the best game in the Elder Scrolls franchise, granted. It's what? My number one or number two, I think, on my list uh, yeah, was, I think was Oblivion. Very mm-hmm. high. Now, here's the thing. I would love to play Oblivion again. And I have a really hard time because the graphics are very dated. They're very, very dated. It's hard to play even if you mod the crap out of it. And so looking at it on the Skyrim engine, very excited about it. The problem is I watched the trailer and I'm like, it, it kind of looks like it's between the Skyrim engine and the Oblivion engine. It doesn't even look like they're using the 4K textures that some of the modders that are creating this game are using in their own Skyrim mods. So it kind of looks kind of iffy to me, even though I will play it. But I do have to tip my hat, though. There's over a hundred there's over a hundred people working on this, different modders, and they're not getting paid squat for it. They're doing it because it's a passion project, and I'll support them. I'll toss them some money if they're asking for money. They're not asking for money now, but I'll do it, and I'll play it, because I'm excited to play Oblivion again. Josh, so- go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'll step off my soapbox. Here it is. It's Keep in mind heavy. that that I'm Skyrim sorry, Skyrim's already twelve years old. It is. Like who who cares? Why are we remaking it in a game that's that old? Okay, number one, when you tell me you're going to remake a game, I heard Skyblivion, and the who, like the the article that I read, you could tell that the author was 
amped about this. They were like, Sky Oblivion's finally got a release date. Yep. We're finally going to get it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what's like, where's all the excitement? We finally have the Sky Oblivion trailer. And I was like, oh, I got to watch this trailer, guys. And then I'm like, what, does the trailer come after the janky looking game? Like, where, <laughs> when, when are they playing the trailer? And then I realized I was watching the trailer. Yeah. And that's when I just went, why? <laughs> like, this game, they're making a mod that they started in 2012. The mod looks like it's from 2012. Like, why would you spend 13 years making this? It looks okay, like so garbage, <laughs> man. Like, I have to share a story. So I, I did watch the trailer, and then I went straight to YouTube, and I did a search for Oblivion versus Sky Oblivion. And sure enough, there are videos. And I started watching, and it immediately pops up on a building. And I'm like, wow, Oblivion looks terrible. And then it went to the next slide, and then it dropped the resolution. <laughs> so I was looking at Sky Oblivion. I thought it looked so bad. And really, it's just that Oblivion just looks even worse. So I think Sky yeah. Oblivion, by no means, does it look... I mean, it looks a lot better than Oblivion, of course. But it does not look anything near modern games. So it's a little, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I loved Oblivion too. I don't think this would draw me back to want to play it. The mouth animations look like they're 13 years old because it's with an engine that's that old. So it does look better. This does not really entice me. I don't know that this is really going to be a big deal to the masses. I think it'll have a huge cult following, but I don't know that it'll really go beyond that. No, and it's it's sad to see that it's... Like, I saw screenshots in the past that looked much better than the trailer. So I'm not sure, you know, if it was just certain things. But I mean, you know, you've got... just different people working on different areas of the game too. So I think they probably set this threshold on what they can do with the textures and so forth, because it's a one modder is making like the city of Bruma. One modder is making the arena in Cyrodiil and they just kind of paste it all together. And I think that it's difficult to make an experience that is like that with, um, you know, a a game that launched in 2012. all, All joking aside and picking on Michael, which we love to do, but what is, what is the draw for this game? Because I don't understand. I I thought like graphically it was going to be really amazing. And so you got like sky, you know, you got oblivion, which a lot of people prefer over Skyrim, you know, because they're right. But then I I watch it and I go, this looks like the like the original game. Like, do I remember? And then it's like, oh, okay. Well, the original game, the graphics are worse. But like, you're talking 13 years of a labor of love. Like, why is it just the graphics? Because I feel like that's one of the most lacking parts of this Sky Oblivion thing. Like, what is the draw for this? My draw is literally that it makes Oblivion playable again. Because I can't play Oblivion in its current state, and I would really like to experience that game again. It's just. And and it's even though it's literally it's it's the Skyrim graphics in 2012, but 2012 Skyrim is playable, so 2012 Oblivion will also be playable. Yeah, fair enough. And they are adding additional content. So they said there's additional right. music. They're adding more quests and some things like that. Uh, but yeah, this one I'm not holding my breath until 2025. All right. Well, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back with more multiplayer gaming podcast. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, 
the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. Sorry, Michael. Sorry we had to uh, throw some, <laughs> I know, <laughs> some right? cold water on Sky Oblivion. I, I love that you're excited for it. I really am. I'm really excited for people that are amped. I, I it, it does suck you might have to wait two and a half more years. Yeah, did you guys know, out. since we're closing out this story, that Skyrim did, uh, Sky, Sky Oblivion did win, quote, the most anticipated mod of 2017. Oh my gosh. Over 4,000 mods ago. submitted. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. goodness. That's when I came onto it. <laughs> All right. Wake me up when it releases. Right. All right. Coming up next, this is probably my favorite story of the week, and it is regarding Atomic Heart. Now, everything that we've seen about Atomic Heart you know, prior to a couple months ago, it almost seemed like too good to be true at times, or it was just so incredibly weird. We didn't really know what to make of the game. And what's really interesting is that Zoe Delahunty Light from Eurogamer was able to play Atomic Heart for four hours, and she released an 11 minute video as a preview that also showed some new gameplay. And she found the game to be so unexpected, maybe even odd at times that she decided to title the video Nine Ways That Atomic Heart Altered Her Brain Chemistry because the game was just so out there. And that's not necessarily bad. Like, in some ways, it was really good. In other ways, maybe a little more critical. But did you guys get a chance to watch her full preview? Absolutely. I I watched the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. What were your guys' impressions in watching it? What stuck out? Um, I would say it's a lot more Souls-like than I expected, as far as the bosses being harder and more unforgiving. She says, uh, quote, you have to wait for your moment, you know, like, yeah. back off, watch out, you're, you're a little more squishy. Um, even with regular mobs. Even with, yeah, it, and she did say the first, the first boss she came to, like, really handed it to her for a while. It was very difficult. Um, things that, the, the one impression that I really got from this is, is it looks like this game is borrowing a lot from other games, which maybe isn't a bad thing. It talked about how you have a scanner on your glove that is, is very much like Aloy's focus, where you can look around and you can even check enemy vulnerability, places to loot, et cetera, stuff like that. They have great, uh, GTA-esque wanted levels, where if you do something, the robots, like, start what's called an alarm, and that goes up. Um, so it just seems like it borrows from a lot of even Star Wars, the Jedi glove, like Jedi Up and Slam, um, which I actually love. I can't wait to play that. But putting it together, it doesn't look like it's like just a mashup of other games. It looks like it's a very unique game. And the one thing that stuck with me was she said the game starts with a very uneasy feeling that you're very excited to get out of when you start fighting. I love games that make me feel weird or odd because they become memorable. You remember them 20 years later. Oh, and this game seems like it's bringing the weird in yeah. spades yeah. yeah 
What would what, what, you think, Josh? I, I'm getting more hyped every time I see something about Atomic Heart. I talked about this before in most anticipated games and stuff like that. You know, I've had my hesitations, but I'll be honest, I, a lot of the hesitation is gone now because people just keep saying this game's really neat. Um, nobody has said it's great yet, but they've only been able to play a certain amount. And I think, you know, you got to kind of play the whole game before you can make that decision necessarily. But I mean, Give me them, give me them sensual robots, man. <laughs> oh wow, dude, it looks like, so creepy. It has, yeah. like, the weird, like almost like the um, like Skyrim dead eyes yeah, looking at yeah, you. Yeah, I yeah. Every the what I really like about the things that I'm seeing and hearing is that this game does not follow any one like path necessarily. The I talked about the art style. I sterile is the like the best description I can give it because everything is sense. either super white, super bright, you know, um, weird, very sharp, clean lines on like the robots and stuff like that. Like the, it's just got a really neat art style to it. The boss fights look good. The the trash mobs look good. I like the fact that you know you you like you mentioned. There's alarms and just hordes of robots coming at you. You can get in vehicles and drive. I've heard the complaints that it's open world ish, but there's really not a lot in the world. Almost like they kind of had bigger plans and then had had to scale that back a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I just I like that this does seem like a mashup of good things from each game. And we've mentioned this in the past, but it's got some Bioshock vibes. It's got some Half-Life vibes. It's got, you know, all these different things. And I like that. I think that it's really neat. I just hope it all works together. I, you know, the, the verdict is still out because the game hasn't released yet, but I'm getting really excited by everything that I see on this. I think one of the weirder things is that even though we're talking about little elements borrowed or inspired by other games, this game just looks and feels so unique when I look at it. It does not look like anything else on the market I've ever seen. So it's it's got like 5% Bioshock and 5% Half-Life and 5%, you know, uh, Horizon. But really, when you put it all together, it looks completely different. And I like being able to play something that's new it's it's kind of similar to when I first saw Ghostwire, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ghostwire, Ghostwire Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah, like like there are just weird, far out games, and I'm all about it because when those games hit, they are just so different from everything else that it gives you new sensations and new feelings playing it. And I think Atomic Heart's gonna do that. Now, I, I will say, not everything in the video was all roses right like the fact that she did say that the main character is a complete jerk she said that he is immensely unlikable and always in a bad mood right now that i was like okay maybe if you're playing a prickly character that could still be interesting we've seen that in other games but if he's truly that unlikable i'm a little worried about the story aspect but we'll yeah. just have to wait but I did also like that it seems like they're also a little more creative with things like lock picking. So they said there's actually multiple ways to break through locks. Yes, you can just use a lock pick similar to Skyrim, but they also had other modes where it's like playing a mini game where as soon as different lights light up, you have to click and you got to do it multiple times as they get faster. And so being able to innovate on how you're going to do a lock picking system sounded pretty neat to me it's not just an immediate check oh i've got 10 points in lock picking so the door opens you know it seems like they're kind of looking at everything for ways to innovate which 
I've been a little bit more reserved on Atomic Heart than you guys. This was the first time that I felt like, okay, I'm actually okay jumping on the hype train at this point. I do think it'll be something special, yeah. even if the open world yeah. Welcome aboard, Paul. Yeah. Choo-choo, baby. I, yeah. I remember <laughs> one of the things that we differed on, I believe, Paul, uh, that Josh and I were very excited to see what happens with that giant ball fight that was in the preview or whatever. And then yeah. I think Paul was like, I don't know. It's just a ball rolling around. Well, she did talk about this in, in, in her gameplay, that it was a very challenging, very exciting fight. And so I'm really excited about that. As far as the protagonist being horribly unlikable, I think they can do that if they make a story arc where he is somehow redeemed or likable at the end. I think if he's just a crotchety jerk the entire time, it's going to put a lot of people off and wonder, why am I rooting for this guy? So we'll see what happens. Because you can play Mass Effect and go Renegade Shepard where he's a jerk, but it's hysterical. Right. Kicking bad guys out of windows into space and, you know, making funny insults to people as he hits them but it's you know, your that can be very likable yeah and it's also a choice in this game i'll be curious to see where they take that character and and i hope it's interesting because she explicitly said this is not like handsome jack where you love to hate this character i just hated him yeah and i yeah. was like ooh, that that worries me more than anything else that i heard i in it, honestly she's not the only one that has said that so that is concerning because you're playing as this guy like right. maybe he's in a bad mood for a reason maybe there's like we you know like you mentioned maybe there's story involved that this is why this guy acts this way and you don't get to know that with you know a four-hour demo or something like that but I've heard that from more than one place, which does worry me a little bit, because it almost seems like it doesn't fit into the atmosphere of the game itself. Right. I just want it to be good so bad, because it yeah, looks it so good. I know. It looks so it's good. It's a big swing. Yes. It's going to be a home run or a strikeout. There, there, that's for sure. There's no yeah. middle ground with this Can't wait one. to play that. We're deep diving that one, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's on the schedule. Because we're, yeah. we're smart. We don't deep dive, <laughs> ga- deep dive games like Callisto Protocol, because nobody cares, but this one's a big deal. I also really liked how she said the game made her feel itchy all over in in, yeah. her, in regard to like the atmosphere. And when you hear things like that, it's like, okay, this is bringing something a little different. Yeah. I'm very curious to see. All right. So we're very quickly running out of time. I did also just want to mention in passing that a couple stories that are being left on the cutting room floor. There are some rumors that Starfield might be released a little bit later than we thought. They have said it'll be the first half of 2023, but there are some rumors from people who have leaked information in the past that it actually might be early second half of 2023. So we might be looking at late summer. And then also last week, we talked a little bit about Ubisoft's CEO telling the lower level employees that the ball's in their court for the company to do well, which, you know, drew a little bit of ire. And he actually ended up coming out and apologizing for those comments. Um, so yeah, lots of news to cover here this week. Yeah. On the delay for Starfield, uh, if Bethesda, any of your uh, decision makers are listening, I don't care how long it takes for you to put this game out. Just get it right. <laughs> yeah yeah my initial reaction was no not again and then my second reaction was like eh, i mean if you need another month or two it's fine <laughs> right yeah so at this point we've been waiting so long all right well i think that wraps up everything here for today so we do want to remind all our listeners out there please go check out our patreon page if you like this episode and like what we do you can get bonus episodes it also helps support our show so we can keep releasing these episodes you can check that out at multiplayer squad.com 
Also, come toss us a follow on socials. Josh has really been putting out a lot of uh, video lately, so you oh, can check us out. Some of those are killing me. I'm dying at some of that stuff, man. <laughs> yeah. Even my wife was like, I'm really enjoying your guys' content. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so you can find us everywhere at Multiplayer Pod. And then we'll see you guys, hopefully, for a quick take on Saturday. And then on Monday, we're going to be doing a deep dive of the couch co-op game Ib and Ob, which is a very short game, a little simplistic. It might be one of our shorter deep dives. I think that's safe to say. We'll see. I'm just we'll gonna, see. I'm just going <laughs> to blow hard the whole thing. I'm going to have so much to say. And you guys be like, this is a bloated episode because Michael won't stop talking about little the, 2D characters. With four buttons. With left, four right, buttons. up and down. <laughs> That's a really good point. There's yeah. there's a jump, isn't there? Can you you can oh, jump? Oh no, it's no, it's just up down. Oh, left, you can right. jump, but it's up. Yeah, or oh, down. See, they I, both jump. I, I, oh, played, true. I played it on <laughs> yeah. the PlayStation. And it was X to jump. Uh, you can yeah, use controller. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. That's true. I had I had to sign up for PS Plus that gives you the ability to play any PlayStation Three game for free. So you know it's supposed to refresh, and I'm paying a hundred bucks for that in March. So we'll see if I keep it or not. Oh, nice. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, thanks again to everyone for listening. Until we see you next time. Happy gaming. Hashtag Sky Oblivion 2025, baby. Woo! <laughs> Cheers, all. Poor Michael. See you, everybody. Hashtag disappointment. <laughs> yeah. nah, hashtag shame. <laughs>